Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week, we are looking at Despair in Avatar Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Yeah, we've done Despair a few times, but we'll be doing it with Avatar today, which tends to be one of our more lighthearted kind of... Well, it's the most lighthearted property Probably. I mean, I guess it and Star Wars can kind of battle it out for that. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has more war and death, I guess, that we sort see of, kind that of you on... see. But Avatar deals with some heavy issues like for sure. genocide. So. But the tone for sure is... is Yes. Well, you have Aang, so... Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that alone <laughs> makes it the most... <laughs> light-hearted, <laughs> endearing, enjoyable thing ever. Well, before we get into Avatar, is despair something that you feel often? Uh, define often. No, <laughs> um, I feel it at different times, definitely. I think I feel it in different ways. So sometimes it could be in terms of like, myself or like my health Mm. other times it can be in terms of the world or this country and terrible things that are going on so i think that i have feelings of despair sometimes but i don't generally stay in them very long at least in the past couple years yeah that's good yeah what about you yeah, I think that, that when I tend to have my, my worst spirals, it's because I'm feeling despair. I think that that's mm-hmm. something that affects me pretty pretty intensely. And it's also probably one of the reasons why I am so optimistic as kind <laughs> of a self-defense mechanism of yeah. wanting to see the best in things, to believe that there's you know hope and possibility for goodness <laughs> uh, and to focus on that so I don't kind of delve into despair. See, that's funny because maybe I'm the opposite where I, I can still get like really angry and and whatnot from things that happen and things that I hear about, but also because I have a more cynical outlook, it doesn't usually surprise me that much. Mm. And so it's, it's almost like, yeah, this is sadly the way the world operates or has operated for the past several millennia mm. <laughs> and that in some ways <laughs> makes me despair less or maybe stay in despair hmm. for less amounts of time because it's like, yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> and yeah, maybe that's just so hard for me <laughs> that uh, I try to avoid it <laughs> and I haven't learned how to deal with it like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Well, why don't we get into our episode, and we'll start out with a quote. Mm -hmm. And this quote comes from the second season of Avatar The Last Airbender, the episode Avatar Day, and it's when Zuko and Iroh are having a conversation, and Zuko is basically saying that he doesn't have any hope if he can't regain his honor by delivering the Avatar. And then Iroh tells him. No, Zuko. You must never give in to despair. Allow yourself to slip down that road, and you surrender to your lowest instincts. In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. 
That is the meaning of inner strength. You're more intense than Iro? the show Iro. That's yes, okay. Well, I can't be Iro. And who can? <laughs> <laughs> You're like a younger Iro. I'm Iresque. <laughs> you want to be Iresque. <laughs> but this is, I think, a good quote because Iro's wisdom is always great. Mm-hmm. But it also, I think, shows an example of how someone can fall to despair in negative ways, yeah, right? And the, sure. the negative repercussions they can have. During this episode, Zuko is stealing from others, and he's kind of been so focused on this one hope that losing it is making him fall in certain ways. And I think that this is when Iroh's teachings uh really need to start being meaningful to Zuko because he's lost so much else of his foundation. He is falling. He's so close to falling into despair. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that Iroh correctly points out that when we succumb to despair, it can so easily turn us to our lowest instincts. Yeah, I think it, it can so easily turn to just so so inward where it's I feel so terrible that I'll do anything to feel better Mm. and that can lead to a lot of problematic behaviors or addictions or actions interactions with others that can be really damaging yeah well thankfully we've got Iroh (laughs) yes (laughs) I guess we should move into our analysis proper. Yeah, so who's your character? I want to talk about Aang. Let's always talk about Aang. (laughs) I think Aang is a really interesting character to look at through the lens of despair because he is such an optimistic character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you relate? And I do. (laughs) That was part of it, was kind of seeing, as I mentioned sometimes, me falling into despair can be really unhealthy for me. And so seeing the times that are pretty few, but the times that Aang falls into that area also as one in which we see a character who is so defined by optimism and and hope, despite the awful things that he has experienced and has thrust upon him, that when he really feels despair and when he loses that, it hits him so hard. Mm-hmm. Right, And we see this pretty early on when he finds out that, you know, it's been a hundred years and Monkey Yatso and all the other airbenders are, are dead. And he goes into the Avatar state, right? He can't control himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Avatar state clearly comes on often when he's angry or depressed or things like that. But here he realizes that he has no hope of seeing these people again. And yeah. it, for a 12-year-old boy must be overwhelming and to have that much power able to come out at that time I, I it really kind of shows how strong those emotions are yeah because monk yatsu was the closest to like a family member mm-hmm. and someone that he looked to for wisdom and someone that he even just looked to to help cheer him up even when he was upset you know in flashbacks when Mm. the kids didn't want to play with him because he had an unfair advantage because he was too talented and something i understand (laughs) the kids don't want to play with you or you don't want to play with them (laughs) oh my sister answer 
No, you don't need to. We already know the answer. (laughs) But yeah, I think to to lose that personally is such a big thing. But then also to know that this is what other people did to your people Mm -hmm. because they wanted to wipe them out. Mm. They wanted every last one of them dead, which I think is... Yeah, so intense. And and in large part, that was because they were looking for you. So yeah, I think I think that, that it's interesting to see that uh, that come out in a character who tends to be so hopeful. And at times, even that is, his optimism is a problem, where he thinks that he'll just figure things out, or that things will work out, or that he'll be able to convince someone of what he needs to, or that he will be able to find a way that he doesn't have to kill the Fire Lord. Mm -hmm. Like, all these other kinds of things. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes it also is, uh, you know, hubristic. It it leads him into being overconfident. But I think the other other really interesting example is when Appa is taken. Yeah. And his first response is the Avatar state, but I don't think it's because of despair. I think it's because of anger. There he, he hasn't lost control. He is still talking. He's like yelling at them, trying to find Appa. And it's when Katara brings him down that he really succumbs to the despair, right? The despair there is less about uncontrolled power and it's more about losing his power. He feels powerless there. And I just think that that is uh, a, I mean, I think we've talked about that a number of times on the podcast because it's just a, such a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. But when I th- was thinking about despair and, and moments of despair, that was definitely one that, that came to mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and both of those times, it was Katara's compassion and support and presence that helped him work through that despair mm-hmm. and be able to not perpetually be in the Avatar state destroying things. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Aang is great. What, uh, what plot did you bring? So I wanted to talk about characters being imprisoned. Ooh, interesting. Because that happens a lot throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And even a little bit in Legend of Korra as well. Mm-hmm. So we have examples like the Earthbender prison ship where Haru's dad was taken away. And mm-hmm. then eventually he was. Mm-hmm. And they're on this ship working, and there's they can't access their powers. Hmm. And part of that, I think, was dehumanizing to them because that was a piece of who they are. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't have any hope of getting off the ship. And I think one of the things that's interesting about that is even when Team Avatar came to the ship... And Katara tries to give this, like, rousing speech to inspire them to fight back. They don't. They were just in such a state of despair that it didn't... That speech didn't mean anything to them. And... Which the George Takei Warden shoves in her face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're like, no, these people are broken to the point where you aren't a threat. Because... There's nothing you can say that's going to change anything, mm-hmm. you know, until people come and save the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another example, I think, which is really interesting is in the episode The Puppet Master with Hama, who 
was the waterbender who was captured and put in a wooden cell, only given little bits of water. And it was in her despair that she created bloodbending, right? And it was out of that despair that, kind of going back to the quote, brought back the lowest instincts of what can I do? And it was Mm. just completely destructive and oppressive bending. So yeah, I thought those examples were really interesting of despair, but then you also have the opposite that you see where you have Boomy is imprisoned, you have Iroh imprisoned, but neither of them really despair because they had a plan, right? They had a plan to change their circumstances, to break out, and they had a plan of what they needed to still do to help the world. And then you have also Zaheer in Legend of Korra, where he, because he has learned to meditate in certain ways, he can go into the spirit world. So even if he's imprisoned, his mind isn't imprisoned. Mm. And that has made him not despair, which I think is, yeah, really interesting to see just the differences between some of the characters and some of the circumstances when they're imprisoned and when they're despairing and when they're not. Yeah, that is that is really interesting to see when some characters... Cause I, I, sometimes it can be done really purposefully, obviously, right? And really intentionally in the character development. But then I also see, like, Zaheer's allies are all just, like, ready to go and, like, unaffected by their prison sentences. I don't know if they seem completely unaffected. Maybe not, but I just feel like... I think it made them way more mad. They seemed kind of, like, despair-ish before they were broken out. Maybe. I don't know. And, and I haven't watched those seri- that series in a while, but I feel like, uh, for me, I just remember them all kind of being like, took you long enough, kind of mm. having more of that kind of attitude. And I think that seeing other characters who really are affected by their, their situations... Or like you mentioned, the characters who like are specifically planning something. Yeah, that that that's a little bit more powerful to me. That's it's one of my critiques, I think, on that season as a whole with Zaheer is that Zaheer is a great villain, but then he has this group that are never really developed. Developed, yeah. And they for there's sure. so much potential there that I would love to see that we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting interesting point. And if I can, that actually goes into my compelling question. Sure. Because I was thinking about that prison ship in the beginning of the first season and how Katara is trying to tell these men, like her speech is the Avatar's back and that's why you should have hope, right? Mm. And then they give the, the, the coal and say, oh, look, you have something to fight with now. And they still don't do anything until Haru protects her and then Haru's father protects Haru, hmm. right? They don't They don't immediately start to revolt. They still are broken in the words of the warden. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question for you is, looking at that and all these other questions, in particular your great analysis of despair for imprisonment, what 
do you see in Avatar as the kind of things that break despair? Hmm. I think with the example with the the prison ship, I think there's a few different parts of it. So one would be still being able to take certain actions Mm. that can have an effect. Mm -hmm. And not to say that if you can't do those things, then you should despair or anything. But I think that that can definitely make people feel a little more empowered and when you feel a little more empowered then you feel less hopeless which Mm -hmm. is part of despair and so yeah having that ability to take actions is a piece of it I think being able to care for others could be another piece and maybe also seeing others care for each other Mm. can can help yeah give some hope that maybe everything isn't terrible (laughs) yeah i I think that that, that's a really good point i I like your kind of point about being empowered but i also agree with caring for others I, i kind of almost see a you can despair when you feel like you don't have anything to lose but Sometimes it takes being reminded or learning of things that you do have to lose. Mm-hmm. Because Haru's father and the others on the, the prison ship, they knew that them being there and fulfilling their, their duty as prisoners, basically, on the ship is a way of, one, not dying, right? So keeping themselves alive, but also not getting retribution against their families. Mm-hmm. And so that itself is is a kind of a form of protection, of trying to save what you can. And then, well, I'm sure none of them, like, wish her ill will. None of them go to protect Katara except for Haru because he's developed a relationship with her. Well, exactly. Like, none of them know her. Mm-hmm. It was like, who is this girl telling us to <laughs> revolt? <laughs> yeah. And then they rise to protect Haru. So I think that, that there's definitely an element of... When you realize that you have something to stand up for, then regardless of your despair, I, I don't know if it, if, it, if it makes the despair go away, but it means that you are willing to stand up regardless. Mm-hmm. I wonder if another piece of it would be being able to feel a bit more like yourself again. Hmm. Because if you're on this ship having the same monotonous day over and over and over again losing pieces that you you know feel are part of your identity mm. and to actually care about something again you know i think that could help you feel more like yourself instead of being estranged from yourself in a lot of ways which i think could definitely cause people to despair yeah yeah that's a really good point well what's your question So my question is, how do you see despair interact with the existence of the Avatar? Interesting. Yeah, it's it's funny because Katara is so motivated by the Avatar, right? It's literally in the opening of the show. I believe that Aang can save us all, right? She believes Yes, thank you. That she believes that the Avatar is the key to saving the world, right? Mm -hmm. She may not have ever been activated before the Avatar came back as an agent. 
and that really is is so motivating for her and that's why i think her speech is about the avatar's back we have the opportunity to fight back right not you are people who have rights or whatever else it might be there's not you know, that that is the underlying foundation is that the avatar's back the avatar is a a symbol of hope or at least for her and i think she expects it to be for other people and sometimes it is but a lot of times it has to be proven and that's why I think the whole first season in particular, or a lot of the first season, is him going around and proving that the Avatar is the is special, is something that is going to make an effect change in beneficial ways for people. So I think that probably because of the time between his disappearance and his reappearance, people have lost the kind of blind hope that Katara seemed to have and needed to be more convinced of it. But I think that looking at Zuko is also really interesting in this light, because for Zuko, he didn't have hope until the Avatar reemerged. And then he had the hope to fight, to get to regain his honor, right? He thought he was being sent on a hopeless mission, but then he was able to regain his, his, his hope, he, and then he, losing that is what leads him to despair or it leads him to almost despair in in book two. And so, yeah, I, I think it's interesting kind of just the existence of Aang so divorced from who he is, but him as the Avatar is so powerful to people, but in kind of varying ways. See, I don't know if I agree with you about Zuko. I think he never fully had despair. Because he was still tirelessly looking for the Avatar. Even though the Avatar had not appeared in a hundred years. I think if he really was in despair, he would just give up and be like, I guess I'm going to live on this boat for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm not going to be searching the South Pole. I can go somewhere where it's not as cold. So... I feel like he didn't completely give in to despair, which I think is really interesting because in that circumstance, I would. I'd be like, yeah, I'm never going to go home. My Mm. father hates me and clearly never wants to see me again. And he doesn't Mm -hmm. because he's still searching. And he wouldn't search. To me, he wouldn't search if he didn't have any hope. Well, I didn't say that he didn't have any hope or that he was had fallen in despair i i meant to say he he wasn't able to gain the hope that he needed until like, like basically seeing the avatar alive instilled in him a great deal of hope and that losing that hope is what drove him towards despair in book two so yeah i i, I just i think that it's interesting to also this obviously been in a in a hope episode but well then don't talk about it <laughs> Just, I'm just saying, I think it'd be interesting to see hope with Zuko um, and where his comes from. But, yeah. Yeah, another thing that I think is interesting, or I wonder if the existence of the Avatar almost opens up a lot of opportunity for despair. Because the world came to rely on the Avatar mm. to solve its problems and to keep the peace. And then when... Aang disappeared, they largely gave up. Compared to the Fire Nation, the the Earth Kingdom 
could have fought back. But I think that, yeah, in in some ways, being reliant on this one person to keep the peace sets you up for failure. <laughs> it can, although a good portion of the Earth Kingdom was still fighting back and resisting. Right? Omashu and Basingsei weren't, weren't taken over. But also Basingse did not acknowledge that there was a war. So. That's true. It's a it different kind of resistance. It's <laughs> it's less fighting back and more la 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 la. Yeah, he's plugging his ears, which none of you can see because he forgets that this is an audio recording. I knew they'd understand. I have <laughs> confidence in our listeners to pick up on context clues. Anyways, uh, what is your missed opportunity? Um, my missed opportunity is kind of tied to that in that I think that typically we kind of talk about how much we wish that we knew more about what happened between Avatar and Korra. Mm-hmm. But I wish I knew more in this case about what happened in the hundred years that Aang was gone mm-hmm. and how 100 years of war affects people generationally. Was their difference between the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth generations of people being born in these wars and how they looked at the Avatar and how they looked at this war and whether they had abilities to hope or whether they felt despair and being born into a situation and how that affects how they feel despair versus having heard from their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents these stories versus having kind of experienced it themselves. I just think seeing that through a generational lens would be really interesting because all the flashbacks we do get are of previous Avatar lives. We don't really see any <laughs> anything but in that hundred years. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be interesting. What about you? What's your missed opportunity? So mine is that I wish that Aang had more waves of despair. Hmm. It, it doesn't have to be where entire episodes focus on it, mm-hmm. but if he just had more moments of sadness or despair, I think that would be really powerful because no matter how optimistic a person you are, if you are the last person of your entire people group because people committed genocide against them, you're going to have moments of despair Mm. (laughs) frequently pop up. So, yeah, I just wish that they had woven that in a little bit more. Mm. And I think it could have been really interesting, too, if in Legend of Korra you got to see some flashbacks with Aang a little older still struggling with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. We get so few flashbacks of Aang. And so I feel like all we see is him being avatari, fighting and like protecting, or him being goofy to show, look, he's still Aang, right? Do we? See, I don't think we actually see him goofy. Don't we see I him once do really his sad. his marble trick? I don't know. Is this my own do. fan my, my own head cannon? I've definitely <laughs> seen fan art of that, but mm. I don't know if it was in the show or not. Interesting, but yeah. So I definitely think that, that would again be really interesting to see how an Aang who has experienced the things he's experienced deals with that as as an adult. Well, and Tenzin's the youngest, isn't he? 
that would have been really interesting to see kind of the despair. Like, not that he wasn't happy to have Kaya and Boomy, mm. but just the despair that I'm still the last airbender. Like, mm-hmm. the airbenders will permanently be gone from yeah. the world. Yeah, for such, for such a lighthearted kids show, they deal with such intense things. Exactly. That's why it is it is a toss-up between Star Wars and yeah, Avatar. for sure. Well, I guess, what's our takeaway from this? I think for me, maybe it's looking at the different actions that we talked about combating despair mm-hmm. and thinking about those more just in daily life anytime I do feel despair or depression start to claw its way in. Mm. Maybe I should just watch Avatar whenever that happens. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, after looking at Aang and kind of identifying with him, maybe it'd be good to try to be inspired by him, to be someone who can feel strongly and who works to find hope and to to not give in to despair, particularly because it can be so dangerous. Mm. You know, both dangerous for the violence of the avatar state but also for wanting to avoid the violence and you know the murder of the fire lord not giving to the despair of this is my only option but refusing to give up on his his values and working to find another way even if it does come from a do sex lion turtle do sex yeah instead of do sex machina Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because Aang is like my favorite. Even though there's so many good characters, it's really hard to choose. But like, I just, ah, Aang, love Aang. But I'm much more like Zuko. <laughs> and in this way, I'm kind of like Aang and I'm also your favorite. So it makes uh-huh. sense. So true. <laughs> well, on that note, why don't you bring up what we talk about next week? We are going to be returning to Star Wars, and we're going to be looking at the theme of trust. Cool. Trust in Star Wars. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. Or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines, where you can find... All sorts of extra content if you become a supporter of the show. We've got more blooper reels. We've got geeky memories that we call the pen We've got us playing MASH with Star Wars characters. All sorts of fun stuff. So if you want access to that good, good content, then please join our patrons over on Patreon. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or search them for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Remember, it always helps if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. We're going to see you next week. Until then, geek out. out.